Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And today I'm very happy to have as our guest, Amy Geffen, who is a career, career coach. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure. Glad to have you here. So and this, this is one heck of a good time to be talked to a career coach. <laughs> I mean, careers are in the, feel like they're in the crapper at this moment. I don't know if that's your opinion at this time. <laughs> what does a career coach actually do? So what does a career coach do? So I am not a recruiter. I'm not a uh, search firm. So I don't actually get people the interviews. What I do is I use a five-step process to help people through their job search. The first step of the process is called assessment, figuring out what it is you want to do next. And that means I find out your top skills, your interests, your values. What kind of workplace do you want to be in? What kind of people do you want to work with? And then we target what you want to do based upon your skills and your interests. So we come up with job targets. So what's a job target? Job target consists of three things, a job title, an industry, and a location. Once we have that, and you can have one or two, maybe even three tops job targets, then we talk about B for branding, your personal brand, just like a company has a brand, it has a logo, it has advertising, brochures, websites. As an individual looking for a job, your personal brand consists of your pitch, your cover letter, your resume, your LinkedIn profile, and any follow-up emails you send after you have a meeting with someone or a network with someone or an actual job interview. And then we practice how to interview. If you've been with a company for 10, 20, 30 years, chances are you haven't been on an interview in a long time. And so we practice how to answer questions, typical questions from an interview, difficult questions that you may have trouble with, one of which may be, okay, so why are you out of work? Well, now, if you're out of work because of COVID, that's an okay response. Uh, but if you've been laid off otherwise in any other time period, you can't say you've been fired for you know, bad performance. So we come up with ways to handle the question, why are you out of work? Wow, and, go ahead. And then we talk about some behavioral questions. And every interview consists of those behavioral questions which start with the phrase, so tell me about a time when. For example, a time when you didn't get along with your boss a time when you had a deal with a customer that was not satisfied, a time when you worked on a team and they didn't agree with what you were thinking about doing. And so every interview consists of these easy questions, difficult questions and behavioral questions. And then I coach people with how to follow up after the interview. What happens then? That's just the beginning. How do you follow up with each person who talked to you? What do you say? How do you influence them to show that you are the best candidate for the job? 
That's wonderful. This is a, a lot of information. There are two points. That, well, there are many points, but I want to start <laughs> with, um, and come, I want to come back to difficult questions. But to begin with, the very first thing you're talking about is what do you want to do? How do you help people identify that? I remember at times in my life when that was the hardest question to answer. And well, I agree with you, Tom. It is not an easy question to answer. People have to take a look at what they've been doing and say, okay, I've been doing X for this many years. Am I happy doing X? Do I like doing X? Does that use my skills? Are there other things that I could be interested in doing? Are there other skills that I would like to use that I haven't been using on my current job? Are there skills I know that I could improve upon and then use those? So the process is kind of muddy. I do do an assessment where I list lots of skills and people have to list their skills and list their accomplishments. And then we figure out, well, what did you actually do? And then what skills did you use in those accomplishments? So for example, if someone says, well, I'm a, an event planner, what does that mean? That may include things like planning, organizing, talking to vendors, setting up menus, uh, setting up a location. I mean, there's a million different things involved with every single job. And the question is to tease out from an individual I'm working with, what are the things that you actually did on the jobs? And of those things, what are the things that you like to do? Well, that's an important piece. What that's do you like to do? Yes. Exactly. Because you can do something for 20, 30 years and hate it. What's the point? You want to figure out what are the things that you're good at and you like doing. And then we talk about, well, what are the possible job titles that use those skills? So if someone is good at writing and they're interested in politics, maybe they want to be a writer for a, someone's campaign. If someone's interested in writing when they like to travel, well, maybe they want to be a travel writer. Okay. Uh, if someone is great at math and finance, but they really don't want to work in for-profit. Well, maybe they want to do the, the a financial officer in a not-for-profit. So some people who have been in corporate worlds for many years think about, well, gee, maybe I want to give back. I want to work for a company that has a mission that's not just driven by making money. I will make some money. Maybe I'll make less than what I was making in the for-profit world, but at least I feel I'm giving back by working for an organization with a mission that I can uh, go for, you know, something that resonates for me. Absolutely. So there's, that takes a while. It could be over a period of a few weeks that I talk to clients and we work this out and we come up with suggestions. Okay, let me ask something else which came up while you were talking. Uh, I had this experience in my corporate life where I began at a job it was in advertising. I did very well at it. I loved it. And then I got promoted and promoted to a job that I no longer recognized or liked. Do you, have you experienced, I know we're now in a certain period, but before this, have you experienced that kind of issue? Yes. There are some people who get promoted to management because they're so good at what they do that the company recognizes their achievements and says, okay, now we're promoting you to management. And for those individuals like you, it's not the right match. They're just not happy doing that. Yeah, because okay. I liked what I was doing, not what I'm now being asked to do. Exactly. So there's nothing wrong in saying, 
to oneself. I like what I'm doing. Maybe I need a change of company. You know, I want to work someplace else. And there's nothing wrong in taking what we call a lateral move to do the same type of job, maybe someplace else, and not move up the career ladder. Not all of us are uh, driven to move up the ladder. And things are very different when you move up. Some people are very happy doing operations, and yeah, that's being, fine. Being at the top of the, of the list is not necessarily for everybody. Exactly. Now, I want to go back to something that you were talking about earlier, of which you had many things there. But <laughs> the thing I was wondering about is these difficult questions. Let's go back and talk about that a little more on in an interview situation. Like what happened, what did, what happened when you uh, had a boss you didn't like? How do you help people to answer those questions? Okay. So the point about all of these behavioral questions are to find out how do you get along with people? How do you communicate with people? And what do you do to improve a situation or improve upon your own performance after you've had a failure or you made a mistake or you disagreed with someone? Now, the one that says, oh, when did you disagree with your boss? That one is really trying to fish out how are you going to talk to your boss when you disagree? Maybe you have another point of view or another solution to a problem that you're both grappling with. The object is to find out, are you willing to say what's on your mind in a polite way to promote your point of view? And then if the boss still doesn't go along, disagrees with you, you say, okay, that's fine. We'll do it your way. So part of it is being able to be assertive in what you feel is right and in coming up with new ideas. And part of it is being able to be flexible enough to go along. Sometimes in a situation, you can go along. Sometimes you're able to convince your boss, let's do it this other way, and then your boss agrees with you. Other times the boss says, no, no, we're going to do it my way. And you say, okay, let's go ahead with it. So you have to be willing to go with the flow and be able to communicate in difficult situations. Well, if you're in that situation, and let's say that continues over time, and you say, look, I, this, I gotta get out of here. I mean, when you make that move, lateral or otherwise, and you're in an interview, now you're gonna be asked about your last job. And how do you deal with that? Since what you're doing is leaving because you didn't like the boss. Right. So you never say anything negative about a previous boss or supervisor, and you never say anything negative about a previous company where you worked, because then the person interviewing you will think, oh boy, when she or he leaves us, what are they going to say about us? Right. And what's going to appear on the glass door internet conversation? <laughs> no. Right. So what you have to say is things like, I wanted to move because I felt uh, I had ideas or innovations or ideas for products or services that were not being taken into account. Or I felt I have certain skills that I bring to the table that I was not able to use on that previous job. So we talk through the situation and come up with an answer that resonates for that individual in his or her position that he can then say on an interview. Well, that's a lot of good information. How did you come by all this information? Good question. 
So I will be brief in telling you a little bit about my work history. I've had 14 jobs and I've changed job, changed that careers you can't three hold times. A job? Right, so that's what some people think. Basically it's because I would get bored and I wanted to do something different. Okay. So my first job was a teacher of English as a second language in the New York City public school system. I did that for seven years. I went at night for a PhD in French language and literature because my goal then was to become a college professor of French language and literature. I graduated, I had my degree, couldn't get a job. There were no jobs for full-time language teachers in college in the New York metro area. And there are a lot of colleges in the New York metro area. So I looked at my skill set and I said, well, I've got a PhD, I'm organized, I can write, I can speak. I went for a job as a coordinator at a college in continuing education, as a college administrator, not as a teacher. And that started me on the college administration circuit. In continuing edge, I worked at three different colleges and universities. And then from there, I transferred my skills. The woman who had hired me at a college, 10 years later, hired me to work for her at an association, which is a not-for-profit organization for professionals. And uh, so I got hired there and I worked at several associations. So I'm working in an association. I'm not only doing education, hiring people, evaluating, marketing programs, developing programs, evaluating programs. Then I also learn about membership in an organization. I also learn about strategic planning in an organization. So a lot of what I learned was on the job. Then I finally, I did get a job uh, as a CEO of a small association with a contract. First time in my life I ever got a employment contract for three years. After three years, the contract ended. They didn't fire me, they didn't let me go, but I kept working there without a contract. So I knew the handwriting was on the wall and I knew that at some point they were going to let me go. And so I started looking for work. P.S. seven months later, they let me go. I get a severance package and I said, well, you know, I want outplacement. Have you heard of the five o'clock club, which is then called five o'clock club. Now it's called get five. It's an outplacement company. I said, I need a severance pack. I need an outplacement package with coaching. And I became a client, someone who was out of work, a client of the Get Five Club. And I got coached individually once a week for over about 20 weeks. And I also took weekly group sessions. And I learned how to find a job and I learned their process. And then I took the training that that company provided to become a career coach for them. So my first few clients were from the, uh, the five o'clock club as a new coach. So I've been coaching now for five years, uh, but I, I recently got a, a request for connection from someone on LinkedIn who wants to be a coach. He just graduated college. He wants to be a career coach. So he said, well, how did you, you know, how did you learn about coaching and how did you start your business? Don't and you I said, well, you need a career first? Yeah, I mean, so I said to him, you know, if I were looking for a career coach, I would want someone with at least 10 years of experience working, <laughs> okay? Right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, because I've changed jobs, I know how to look for a job. I've been laid off from a job. I've changed careers from one industry to another industry. So I know the process personally, as well as understanding the process as a coach. So there you have right. it. That's yeah, how I learned you're 
yours is not just book learning of any kind. It's actual on on the job, so to speak, learning in and off the job. And exactly, and then you can you exactly. can talk to people from both points of view. Exactly. So now, I know today's different. How is it different being in in the in this COVID? How how is it your the world out there for you? And talk about that a little bit. Yes. So. COVID has changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And how it's affected you. So firstly, COVID has laid off lots of people. Lots of companies can no longer afford to pay all their employees because they're not getting as much business. The hospitality industry, for one, travel, leisure, hotels, cruise lines, you know, have laid off many, many people. And I do have a number of people who are from that industry that I'm working with. A couple of things have changed. One is that everything now is either online or by Zoom. So whereas before, yes, maybe a candidate for a job would get an initial conversation from human resources by phone, they still do. But the coming, the interviews that follow are all by Zoom. They're all online. And so I need to coach my clients how to handle that. How do you set up your house, your room to have a Zoom conversation? What should you look like? What should the lighting be like? <laughs> Not um, dollars, I take it. Well, you know, people don't don't think about that. A lot of people go on and the lights behind them and they're in the dark and they don't realize it's such a simple thing. Uh, to how do you dress online? How do you dress for the camera as opposed to going in to a live meeting? So certain colors are good, certain colors are bad, prints are bad. There's all sorts of things. So I'm coaching my clients specifically in how to interview on Zoom, in addition to all the other stuff about the actual answers to the questions. So that's one thing. Second thing is I used to do a lot of webinars, uh, not webinars, I would do public presentations, live presentations. I did them for the New York Public Library, I had 65 to 100 people. I did them for Brooklyn College, 25, 30 people. Now everything is Zoom. So I offer free Zoom podcasts or webinars, if you call them, through the New York Public Library, through Brooklyn College, through Fairy Godboss, through Savvy Ladies. And anyone can attend these programs and they're all perfectly free, an hour long with opportunities for questions. So for people who have lost their jobs and have limited income and can't really afford to pay a coach, there are lots of opportunities for free information uh, from the New York Public Library, among other places. That's wonderful. I mean, that's very necessary today. And uh, I'm so glad to hear that that's being done. Now, if you do individually coach somebody after that, maybe from one of those uh, webinars, they ca call you and say, okay, I can pay whatever, and I'd like to be coached. Now, how in the world do I get a job in this market? How do, do I just say I'm willing to take any money and go to work or what, what do you well, coach okay. them on? How do you get a job? In this market or any market, there are really only four ways to get a job. Two of them are not as useful as the other two. So I'll go through all four ways. First way, answering ads on the internet. Indeed.com has lists of jobs. Monster.com has lists of jobs. LinkedIn has lists of jobs. Many people come to me after having answered ads on the internet for three months, six months, and they wonder why no one is calling them. They're not getting interviews. Now, when I 
a year or so ago, I did something like this for the New York Public Library before COVID. And there were 65 people in the room. And I asked all 65 people. So how many of you answer ads on the internet to apply for jobs? And every hand goes up, all right? Everybody, 65 people, they're all answering ads. Then I asked them, so how many of you actually got an interview? 10 people, 10 people out of 65 actually got an interview by answering ads on the internet. Then I asked them, okay, how many of you actually got a job? Five people. So I say to the group, so do your math, five people out of 65, that's less than 10%. So the actual average is less than 10% of people who apply online for jobs actually get a job. So that's the first way, not a great use of your time. The second way is by working with a recruiter or a recruiter is good for people who are in the C-suite. The higher up you are, the better it is to work with a recruiter. But at the same time, the recruiter is not working for you. They are working for their client. Their client is a company, corporation, or a university. So their job is to get the best candidates to put forward to that client, but they're not necessarily pushing you individually. So how many people get jobs that way? 10, 15%, if they're in the C-suite, maybe 30, 35%. But for most people, working with a recruiter is not the best way to get a job. So what does that leave? There are two other ways that are the best ways to get a job in this climate or in any climate. The first one is networking, connecting with people and building your network and building relationships. And you start with the people you know your family, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your colleagues from your past job, colleagues from a long time ago, previous supervisors, people you know from your organizations, whether it's a religious organization, a civic organization, a hobby, a reading group, a hiking group, you make a list of everyone you know and you contact everyone you know and you say, I'm in transition now. I am looking for such and such. Do you know anybody who does this? Can you introduce me to someone? And you keep building your network through contacting alumni from your college, your university, your graduate school, even your high school, by contacting people in your professional association, joining a professional association. I can't tell you how many people are in a field and don't belong to their professional organization for the field. Three, build your network through volunteering if you can. You meet other people who may not be in your field, but everybody has their own network of people. And four, as I mentioned, by building your network, if you don't already belong to an organization, whether it's a civic organization, Elks, Masons, Lions, or it's a religious organization, church, temple, mosque, you name it. That's the third way, but that's one of the best ways. 40% or more of people actually get a job through their networks. I'm working with people, as I mentioned, in the hospitality industry, and they are all contacting their former colleagues and alums from their company. I won't tell you the name of the company. It's very well known in hotels. And they're contacting people they know as well as people they don't know, but finding them online on LinkedIn to make the connections. And then the second best way to find a job is to write directly to a company, 
not to the human resources person, unless you work in human resources. You want to write to who, the person called the hiring manager. That is someone who is one or two levels above you in the department where you want to work. So if you're in marketing, you write to the VP or the managing director of marketing. If you're in finance, you write to the VP or the managing director of finance. Writing directly, explaining who you are and what your skills are and that you want to have 10 minutes of their time to talk to them. Those are the two best ways to get a job. And particularly in this market and during COVID pandemic, the best ways are to continue to network with people, talk to people by phone and by Zoom. That's very interesting. I would imagine, and I wonder if you have found this to be true, that the people doing this or looking for, to new jobs and networking might have some issues about networking, about how to do it, or have the confidence to actually call somebody and say, well, I don't know this person. Why should I right. call or and write them? <laughs> You're absolutely right. A lot of people have the fear of networking, making cold contact with people. So what I say is first, you start with all the people you know. You make your list of the people you know and you contact them. Those are warm connections. And then you ask those people to make a connection for you. Let's say your uncle Tom knows somebody. You say, hi, Tom, how you doing? I'd love for you to introduce me to somebody. Tom, could you please write an email to me and your friend at XYZ Company to introduce us? So that's a start. You get a warm introduction from someone you know. The second way, that, again- That's a good start. That's, by the way, how I get people for this show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Then the next best thing is, okay, let's say you graduated from ABC University. I'm a graduate of Brooklyn College. I can go to LinkedIn and I look up Brooklyn College alums and I can find Brooklyn College alumni who live in New York City, who work in universities, and I can contact them and say, hi, I'd like to connect to you. We're both alums. I'd like to connect. If they connect, great. Then you say... I'd like to talk with you to find out more about what you do. You still haven't said you are looking for a job. And then if they're willing to talk to you, then you have a conversation by phone. So yes, part of what I do is to coach people through this whole process of connecting. That's very valuable, extremely valuable. To that point, since we're coming pretty close to the end of our time now, if people who have been as fascinated as I have by your conversation would like to talk to you get in touch with you. What's their best way for them to do that? The best way is you can connect to me on LinkedIn, Amy Geffen. I'm the only Amy Geffen in the United States. I can tell you that for a fact. Or you can send me an email, geffena108 at gmail.com. All right. I will put that in the description of the show. Great. Because I think it's valuable. You have a tremendous this amount of knowledge and information from your own personal experience and from working with people. And I guess my last question at the moment, I'd love to do this for hours and days, but the last <laughs> question is, what do you imagine the world to be like when this is over, when the COVID is no longer? How do you see things change? Well, I think more people will still be working from home because companies are realizing they can save money on their rental of commercial space. And so they'll allow more people to work from home, if not all the time, but a few days a week, and then come into the office a few days a week. That's not going to change. I don't think you're going to have everyone working full-time back in the office. 
So that's one of the big changes. And I think people will continue to use Zoom because there are companies that have people all over the country or all over the world and they need to meet, they need to talk and they can't keep spending time and energy, you know, flying around meeting people. So I think that will continue as well. Well, that's very interesting. I also imagine that the work that you're doing not only will continue, but will flourish because that information, everything will be up to, turned upside down when things come back to quote normal and people will be scrabbling again to look. So I imagine you will have yeah. many people calling you, which is fine for your, your life. <laughs> that would that's be great. Good. I would love it. Well, I thank you. You're not unhappy about that. That's good. Well, I want to thank you, Amy, for being Amy Geffen, for being our guest here. And I invite other people to get to know you. You're a very fascinating and talented person. So thank you for being on our program today. Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate it. All right. And thank all the listeners who are here listening to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. Have a great day.